I think it's perfect to, like, towards the end of your podcast to be like, just love people. Just yeah. love people. Just that could be the people. mic drop. <laughs> Boom. We're done. You know, who knew <laughs> love, love would be the thing yeah. that fix yeah. all problems? Crazy concept. Hello. Welcome to The Seasoned RD, a podcast connecting newer professionals in the field of eating disorders to those of us who have been around for a while. I'm your host, Beth Harrell, a certified eating disorders registered dietitian and supervisor. And I'm Abby Brown, a registered dietitian who is newer to the field. I think of myself as a well-seasoned cast iron skillet with wisdom and experience, yet always ready for something new. And I think of myself as an Instapot with innovation and a fresh perspective. This podcast brings both to the table to share ingredients, recipes, and techniques of past and present so we can all be our best for the future. The kettle is heating up. The skillet is on simmer. So join us around the table for true professional nourishment. Abby, ready to stir the pot? Let's do it. Oh my gosh, again, I am listening to my own voice while preparing this episode, realizing why I like to have guests to kind of dilute my own voice. But also, I don't finish my sentences as I'm listening back. Anyways, if you could see my computer screen right now as I pull this episode together, even after doing more than 70 episodes, I still have stuff everywhere. I don't have a diagnosis of ADHD, but wow, don't look at my screen if you need a sense of tidiness. So today we're part two of three of the unplugged a reason a season and moving into a new season with the podcast closing out I have to say I've been getting more comments from people why do you have to stop can you put it on simmer can it still be there can you do it a little bit less often I don't know I'm gonna have to say I don't know exactly where we'll go at the end of March and I'm a believer too that people come into our lives for a reason Kate, I cannot wait to meet with you soon to help me sort through some of this. Kate is a fan of the podcast who has brought a whole new life and freshness. And so I just have to say to you listeners, stay tuned. We have our final medical series coming up, ARFID researcher and clinician, the first ever conference for Fed Up, which is fighting eating disorders and underrepresented populations and more. I have a feeling it's going to be magical. Today, we're continuing the conversation with co-host Abby Brown and our producer, Royce Diamond. Royce's perspectives as a non-clinician have been beyond helpful. Abby questioned about what to do, uh, how to include parents and what to do when a client ups and leaves the room. And how we just don't know what's on people's minds. Case in point, this episode must have been recorded right around the time Twitch passed away. And if you're ever surprised when someone looks happy on the outside, but we find out that they felt like life wasn't worth living, this is just a reminder to all of us, honestly, life is so precious and we just don't know. So the mic drop of this whole podcast might need to be education, connection, and love. A listener comment, DT, thank you for creating the Seasoned RD podcast. As a newer dietitian who listens to them regularly on the go, I feel like I've been receiving many years of eating disorders education in a few months. Besides using some of the tips in my own life, between learning new jargon and the inspirational messages that each guest provides, the podcast helps me be more confident in working with my patients with eating disorders. Thank you, DT, and please do let me know your thoughts. Rate, review, comment, share, send me a message on LinkedIn. 
friend me on LinkedIn. I don't think it's called friending me, but uh, drop me an email. So all of the information is in the show notes. And speaking of show notes, I will be rolling out my supervision membership soon, and it will be exclusive content that we can continue to connect and have these conversations. If they're at that stage where they're just so sick, Something I've started to pick up on is the the preparation or the setting of the appointment. So especially if I'm working with a teen, I like to have the parent in there if it's an initial appointment for the beginning part. Same. They can help go over all the medical background. And then in follow-ups, it's helpful just to say, hey, this is what's going on, touch base, you know. But recently I had a parent in there who I – I guess the child thought stayed too long. And it, then the patient became very uncomfortable with that and just walked out. You know, it was like, well, if you're going to stay in here and keep talking, then if I'm not allowed to speak, then I'm going to leave. And so I've been thinking more about, well, how can I prep my office to welcome them to open up as much as possible? Mm-hmm. So it's setting more kind of like, okay, so mom or dad will be in here for 10 minutes That's and then exactly it's me and you. Mm-hmm. I've started playing music. We Do you use Spotify? I don't, but... Okay. Well, Spotify does like a, a wrapped at the end of the year where they tell you your top songs and all that. And I am not a Taylor Swift fan, but she was like one of my top artists this year. And I'm like, why in the world would she... And then I thought of it, all of my teens want to hear Taylor Swift. So during our appointments, I have Taylor Swift playing, playing quietly in the background. And but That's I think really like nice. just prepping them helps a little bit more. That is brilliant. I mean, the music—it's mm-hmm. kind of it fits them, it suits them. If you worked in a treatment center at mealtimes, they try to do that kind of thing oh, as well idea. with music in the background. Mm-hmm. And maybe things that t- table topics mm-hmm. so that we're, you know, you can talk about the weather, you can talk about whatever that doesn't tend to, you know, polarize people. But there's only so much. You definitely are not supposed to talk about food mm-hmm. or your body or weight or any of our therapy at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. The music is a brilliant thing. And I think the 10 minutes is a nice, I always start with that, mm-hmm. with the parents and say, usually I open the session with, well, mom or dad or caregiver will be here for 10 minutes. What do you want to say, mom, dad, caregiver, about what brought you here? And then I'll turn to the teen and I'll say, does that sound accurate to you? Or do you want to add anything? Mm-hmm. Because everyone's, nobody knows what's going on in people's brains. Mm-hmm. I just, I have to say, and and I don't know when this episode's going to drop, but the whole thing about Twitch is really, really bothering me. What, what's going on with Twitch? He, he passed away. Oh, the DJ. The DJ. Gotcha. Do, are you familiar with him? Only since he passed away. I mean, I've seen him on the... Ellen. Ellen show. Mm-hmm. And see, that's where I knew of him from. And always smiling. He reminds me of a good friend of mine. Just like, of course, we just don't know people. I guess that's the bottom point that you're trying to say. Even even the day before he died, he and his wife were doing a TikTok dancing thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they were both looking happy. Mm-hmm. 
So in that, when the mom or the dad is telling their story of what got them into my office, and then the, I ask the teen, because nobody knows, like the parents may think, I know my child better than you do, or I know my child better than anyone else does. Well, you definitely know them better than I do. Mm-hmm. You don't know them better than they do. So allowing them to disagree, agree, whatever it is, and then letting the parent step out and giving that teen. And it depends on the age of the teen. If it's a, a 13-year-old, I don't know. Sometimes you need to you need to work just with parents. If it's an eight, nine, ten year old, definitely just work with the parents. Mm-hmm. That's hard when there's conflict. I know we're not taught how to do this. And I hate it. I do too. Oh, it's so (laughs) awkward. I like, I can feel myself like pushing backwards in my seat and like, like looking back and forth. What are they going to say? It's, uh, that's one thing I haven't gotten very good at yet. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just feel out of my element a bit. Well, and do you think that that's part of what helped you make a career change recently? Maybe. I think it's a lot of things. I can't really even pinpoint it. Flexibility is going to be nice. I will want to come back to Kansas City eventually. Mm. I love Dallas. I feel like that's where I like have really started to flourish. But, you know, we'll come back eventually. And so a different job will help me out a lot with that. And I just am not feeling extremely passionate about working with this population anymore. And not to say that I don't think it's still such an incredible population and something that needs to be studied more. We need to have more research and just knowledge and education in this area. And I mean, that's something this podcast has taught me a lot. All of the experts we've talked to were missing a lot in this field still. And I strongly think I will always be an advocate, but I just don't think I'm, it's not for me to be one-on-one with the patients anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where we just embrace all of that of like, you, we all evolve the way that we need to evolve. And for, I'm going to use this as an example. If someone, if a client, potential client chooses someone else over me after we've talked, I like that because then they have made us a choice based on who they feel most comfortable with. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm supervising someone and a client chose them over me. Same kind of thing. We want them to find who they're most comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel so great at the time. And but but we always want people that we work with to choose whatever's the best path for them. Mm-hmm. How many of our guests started out in different fields? A and lot. A lot. Yeah. And I think that's I guess in any career path, but if we're talking specifically dietetics. So many of us are very type A. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is the field I'm going to enter into, and I'm staying on this specific path, and I will elevate and become the manager and up and up and up from there. And it just doesn't always work that way, and it kind of sucks. It it feels so uncomfortable to not know what you're doing. 
or even what you want to do. And we have to think about finances and it's extremely overwhelming. And we have always talked about this podcast is for newer professionals in the field and experienced professionals. And for the newer professionals, and especially if younger professionals as well, we're trying to figure out how to become an adult and Mm. do all of these things. And then you need to, now you want to change your jobs. It's just, it's a lot. Can you tell me about the mountain analogy that your mom used? Oh gosh, the mountain analogy. So my mom is a dietitian and she has been a dietitian for a long time. And for a while working was all about, or being a dietitian was all about achieving the next level, the next thing, the next thing. And she was really good at that. Mm-hmm. And then she reached this point where she's like, well, I don't really, it's not all about what can I do to get the promotion or to do this. Like, I just really want to enjoy what I'm doing and feel like I'm providing a lot of value. So it all came back to value for her. And that's her second mountain now. She's mm-hmm. just in a different stage in her career. Yep. I so I'm really glad. I remember you telling me that a while back when you were still like, I don't know what I want to do necessarily, or I want to reach that first mountain. At yeah, least. Gotta, how do I get yeah, there? Take a step up the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> What's the direction? And that's where I think I am now is that value. Like what I was talking to Jessica Setnick last night, and she said, I think that we can let the next generation take it from here because Mm -hmm. I was getting a little uh, tight in my chest wrapped up about some some types of things that are happening it's not cancel culture but it was some political things that are Mm -hmm. happening within the field and that's when she I said she said I think that we can take a step back and let the next generation take it from here. And I'm like, that's exactly what my goal is. Right there, mic drop, is it's not about, you know, that promotion or getting the next thing or having the highest paying whatever. It's education and connection. Mm -hmm. Education and connection. And so I get to bring up the next generation of professionals teaching them what I know and listening to what they know and putting that together. Like Adele LaFrance had put in her podcast, she said, I've I've been on podcasts a year ago and I don't even agree with myself now of what I said then. That just opens it up to all of us to say, keep your eyes open and your ears open. And probably the biggest thing, message from her, is keep your heart open because she's working also towards psychedelic research mm. and eating disorders care but also using using love as a using therapy. love yeah. yeah i was pointing to my heart and you you were going to say that anyway <laughs> and what did she call unconditional regard was the medicalized way of describing love and i think that is going to be the biggest healing therapy that we can give to our clients mm-hmm. To show up and be there with them through the thick and the thin. Mm-hmm. So, Royce, I have a question for you. Okay. Is there anything that, well, first of all, mountains or beach? Mountains. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at his but shirt. just recently. <laughs> yeah. Rocky Mountain. <laughs> Rocky Mountain National Park. <laughs> um, yeah, like in the last, like right before the pandemic, I started 
mountain climbing. Ooh, and, really? Yeah. It was a really, I don't know, it's like therapy. Uh-huh. You know, if you got this goal, you just work on it all day long. You get there. Yep. Celebrate. Get to the top. Yeah. <laughs> There's Here's another mountain analogy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And actually, I should have said before, you are the only other human on this earth who has listened to every second of every podcast like I have. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> I mean, we have a connection that will never change. That's the thing about this podcast ending is that reason, that season, it has met its goal. And I'm going to be sad because I don't get to connect in the way that I'm doing with people. But we will always have that. Yeah. And, like, I I don't know if you were recording before when we were talking about that, but when we – with the, the cast iron skillet. Oh. Were you recording? I wasn't recording that. <laughs> okay. So another connection that I have with you was when Abby and I came in for our initial session and we were talking about artwork and my ideas that were just kind of in my head that I hadn't really talked openly about was the cast iron skillet analogy. And – you brightened up and you said, oh, we could do this and we could do that and we could put some spices and this. And I'm like, and it reminded you of your grandma. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And well, and and I would say probably largely my relationship with food too. Really? Like, yeah. My grandmother was the one that got up every morning and made bread for everybody, you know, like every day Aww. for the bread, whole family. Like what kind of bread? Just yeah. regular white bread or was it a um, biscuits or was it? Well, we had the, the what I really used to like was the was like saltwater cornbread she would make. Oh yeah, the cornbread. Oh my god, mm-hmm. and we had it with every meal. Yeah, yeah, I love the cornbread and in the cast iron skillet. I don't know, did she use mm-hmm. that for the cornbread yeah, too? She used everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's so. Yeah. You know, my niece just sent me something this morning that had was something from my mom's sewing kit, and my my mom has passed away and so it's really special when my niece was showing me this and her daughter was was looking at it and it was a little musical thing I brought I had tears because it would just brought me back to those generations when you said that about the cornbread the cornmeal did you say salt water or Mm -hmm. yeah and like I'm sure that the epigenetics are turned on for you in a positive way when you have that. Like you have genes, but you also have experiences that turn things on and off. And that's a that's a good memory for you. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Well, and some of what you're talking about is just the advantage of age, you know. <laughs> yeah. When you're yeah. when you're twenty. Like you were talking about getting um, the younger people to be excited about the nutrients that are going in their body and stuff like that. And like, you're going to live forever. You feel like a vampire, you know? That's true. <laughs> yeah. that They definitely think they're invincible. That's true. I, I do think often about how, uh, obviously you do Becca's podcast, but this whole eating disorder world is probably new to you, right? Like, what is yeah. it like for you to hear us talk about this all the time? Enlightening. Mm-hmm. Um, both for what's going on around me and uh, within my own behavior. Mm-hmm. Like um, some of the things that I hear people going through, I may not struggle with with food, but there are other areas in my life where the information is like, oh, my God, that totally 
like makes sense. It mm-hmm. changes the way I parent or, uh-huh. or any of those kinds of things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How old are your kids? My son's 24 and my daughter's 16. Okay. Yeah. Gosh, yeah. I remember the first, that was a great question, Abby. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to miss you too. So you need to make sure to stay in touch. Sandra Kronberg's episode, I remember she was one of the early ones. And I remember you, Royce, saying, I didn't have language to put on this. I think she was talking about orthorexia as a new religion. Mm. Like, it's almost a spiritual—people will follow certain things to a T, Mm. but I think that that's something what you said is—I didn't have language for it, but I can see it playing out in in life. Most of the episodes were like that. Mm, really? Most of them are like that. Yeah. It. I mean, <laughs> I enjoy editing these these episodes for sure. <laughs> well, because sometimes you'll pull out four or five sound bites to for us to listen to to decide which one's going to be the opening one, like yeah. the the teaser sound bite. And so I'm thinking, I wonder what Royce was thinking. But and and like all of them are great. So it's mm, helped me are. a ton to even know what. Is standing out for you. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. Oh, and I'm sure it's different because you're in the conversation too. Mm-hmm. And I'm always just like just listening, mm-hmm. not really even like thinking how to contribute. So yeah. it, it kind of changes the way I, I perceive it. But mm-hmm. there are a lot of really impressive people on these. Go, girl. <laughs> and speaking of language, I think, you know, everyone for the most part that we have interviewed is in the field of eating disorders, different backgrounds. And sometimes we talk about the same topics, but just the language that this person uses compared to this person, it really can impact you or help you understand in so many different ways. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There. How many episodes do we have so far? Like 70 or? 77 or 78, something yeah, like that. So, and, and when you said, you know, they're talking about similar things. Mm-hmm. But we get something different, a different nugget. That's what I call it from each episode. And, and even um, a different approach. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Emotion-focused family therapy is what got me with Adele initially and now love and psychedelic work. and Which I think is perfect to, like, towards the end of your podcast to be like, just love people. Just yeah. love people. Just that love could be the people. mic drop. Boom. We're done. You know, who knew <laughs> love would be the thing yeah. that fix yeah. all problems? Crazy concept. <laughs> yeah. And I think that that's part of what I want to, when this is over, I get to then consume other people's um, materials. For example, Becca sent me on the 10% Happier podcast. I have so many books, like stacks of them, and so many podcasts that even my Apple Watch is telling me, you're too full. Uh, There's not (laughs) enough room. You need to delete some. But I don't get to them. And so then I can start to be more intentional about getting to them. But there was one that she sent me from 10% Happier called Calling In Versus Calling Out. Mm -hmm. And cancel culture being such a huge thing. Part of my journey over the last maybe year and a half has been diversity and inclusion stuff, like trying to get in to understand about transgender, how to 
I have had different supervisors. I'm going to call them teachers because I consult with them if I have a client who they have my my teachers have specific experience with. And then I this was a, a black woman who talked about her advocacy and the calling out culture doesn't help anyone calling people in when you said love you know if we could just end this episode this whole podcast with that that's what it really is even people who you don't agree with they're people and they have something in there there's something in there in our humanity. So she talks about the 90 percenters, and I'm visualizing like circles. She's the middle circle, and then the 90 percenters. So this this group aligns with 90% of her. Then there's the zero percenters. Like she's not even going to worry about them. But then the 25 percenters and the 75 percenters, and so how she navigates pulling in people and it truly is about looking at humanity and love. So, building bridges and not burning. Building them. bridges and not burning them. And yeah. I'm going to tell you when you, because I'm going back to the mountains versus beach, and I'm a mountain person. I say that often. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just not a water person as much. So even when Margot said lakes. Mm, we were yeah. like, oh, yeah, it's not a binary world, <laughs> right. like mountains, beach, or lake. She's totally a lake person. We have a place at the lake, but I'm not a water person. I like the family. I like the community. I like the friendship, the people sitting around the fire pit, or just I don't even care that much about the water sports or any of that. So... Anyway, you were asking about how the podcast has affected me. And one of the things that I've learned is like, I'm a host. I like to set the mood. I like to create the party. I don't even really want to participate in, in the party, uh-huh. but that's kind of what you're yeah, talking about. It like is. We go out to the lake. Totally. I, you know, I make the food, the, the drinks, whatever it is mm-hmm. that's going on. If the kids need to be wrestled with, yep. whatever it is, <laughs> it's what I like to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I learned that going through this process with you guys. Yeah. Just thinking about myself in a different way. For sure. So breakfast or dinner? So, okay. (laughs) I was thinking about how I would answer that one, too. Breakfast, but because when my kids were small, I always always had time to make breakfast for them. So we would do... The, the way our house faced, we would watch the sunrise and we'd do like little quizzes and little games and, and things like that over breakfast every morning. Like all of their lives till about sophomore year for my daughter. My son moved out, but about sophomore year, she was like, ah, I'm kind of over it. Like, I'm going to do my thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but oh, always. It. And it was hard because I worked in the studio. So I was here late at night. Yes. So I ran home, yeah. jumped in bed, jumped up. And made breakfast. Mm-hmm. That was that time to be together. I mm-hmm. think some of our guests have said that that it's it's not as much about what the meal is as much as the the together. 
And the connection. And after school, they're like, he was in karate, she was in swimming and dance and like all these things. So it's like really more like activity driven. Uh huh. But yeah. in the morning, I had their attention. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. And you're giving them breakfast. You're nourishing them for the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I grew up in a family where we always did family meals. You know, you sit down for yes. dinner in between all of the sports and everything. And I do wonder how that plays a role in eating disorders. Mm-hmm. If if we had more family meals, would that make a difference? Obviously, there's a lot of things that impact an eating disorder, but I yeah. do wonder about that one. And I do think, and this is where I'm not huge into research and delving into all the journal articles and pulling them apart, so don't even try to have a debate with me because I will lose. <laughs> so I'm just going to say, but I think there's some articles that really say that family meals are are a cornerstone mm-hmm. of, and and not only family meals, but family meals where we're not. I have a a memory of a woman who was growing up during the uh, World War II, and she had said, "My dad had the TV on, and they were doing the body bag count mm, at dinner time." Oh wow! So you know, it's not just sitting together, yeah, but it's having conversations that aren't like. Why did you get this grade that you did? Or no one's digging exactly on anyone. And exactly what's happening at dinner. Or even yeah. if it's, you know, benign, like where I need to be Thursday. Or I've got this thing that I've got to do. Sure. You know, I need help with this. I sure. think dinner kind of gets hijacked because mm-hmm. you're at the end of your day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That is so true. So breakfast would be yours. Yes. And I'm going to say right now in my life, breakfast would be mine. But when the kids were younger, it was, it was dinner Mm. because that was the time that we were together. And we, we tried really hard. And I was the one doing all the cooking, even though I was working and my husband was working. I had (laughs) my spring meals. I had my summer, you know, I had a rotation just like food Mm -hmm. service management. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Taking me back. <laughs> I know. Because your mom and I worked together oh, yeah. in food service for long-term care facilities. And so we would change out the menus. And yeah. I had that for my family. Yeah. I think I can recall her sitting down with my dad like, Jim, I need you to come up with meal ideas for this menu. I need help. True. Let's lean on each other and learn from each other so we can grow together as professionals in this field of eating disorders. If you want to connect with me for supervision or membership with monthly content, please find me at bethherald.com professionals.